from Kurtco Media. This is Cars That Matter. Welcome to Cars That Matter. I'm Robert Ross. This episode, we're continuing our conversation with Scott Williamson, automotive photography expert and founder of Photo Design Studios. We've talked at length about photographing cars, but now let's get to the heart of the matter, the cars themselves. How many cars have you photographed? Pick a number. I don't have that exact number. I wouldn't imagine it's like asking J. Paul Getty how much money he had in the bank. I've been very blessed that as my reputation grew, my ability to be commissioned and asked to document the greatest cars on the planet, that number is well over a thousand. You've had some of the most important collectors in the world come to you. Some you can talk about, some you can't. But certainly the cars are known by visitors to important Concours, and they'll see these images, and they probably know who at that time might have had the cars. With a thousand cars under your belt, you've got to have some favorites there. And I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but tell us about a few. You've photographed everything from the earliest brass era cars to some of the latest supercars. What sticks out? I've often thought of, say, a famous supermodel photographer like Scavulu or something who was asked, well, what's your favorite, most beautiful girl you've ever photographed? They're all so great. How can you begin to say? And it would probably depend what day of the week it is you ask me that question. But certainly anything pre-war French you just can't go wrong. The deco design stylings of the 30s sort of permeated automotive design, even in America. But in Europe, it was just no finer forms had ever been developed. That's absolutely true. And our listeners should know that Scott and I are doing this call via Zoom. So I'm actually looking at my buddy right now. And if I'm not mistaken, you're wearing a sweater and there's a little Delage logo on it. (laughs) That probably speaks to your appreciation for French forms. And there is nothing more beautiful. You've done them all. Delage, Delahaye, Talbo, Bugattis. I mean, you've had them all. They come to my studio, typically with a high level of security and secrecy. They arrive, we bring them in, we lock down the studio, and then I roll them on the stage. And for the next week, I get to have this passionate love affair with these supermodels of automotive design. And it just, what a joy, what fun. I am a commercial photographer, but I am an entrepreneur, as was my father. And if you choose a job you love, it's said that you will never work a day in your life. Well, there's a lot of exaggeration to that old saying, but uh, (laughs) could have been worse. Photographing all these incredible cars with these incredible shapes and using the tools that I came to develop here at Photo Design Studios to bring out these beautiful shapes and light them in a way that their aesthetic would be seen at its very best and choosing just the right angle, what we call the sweet spot, so that what I like to try to achieve are images that would please the original designer who drew the original line drawing on a piece of paper. If I can make photographs that make him go, you've done it. You've captured my vision. That's a very laudable goal that I can only imagine showing Marcello Gandini some of your Lamborghini Mira images and him thinking to himself, you know, I never did quite like the frontal aspect of those wheel wells, but by gosh, when I see Scott's photo, all of a sudden I've changed my mind. 
It's perfect. <laughs> I know that when I was working with Rob Report under the Kurtco ownership, it's now owned by Penske Media Corporation. They do a great job with their magazine and they've got a new forward-thinking look and design and they don't feature the kind of automotive photography that you and I presented to the audience for almost 15 years in our monthly project called Design Portfolio. But during that period, we had an opportunity to share a very special car every month with the readers of the magazine. To put a period on that, we we did in our 15 years together producing in beautiful ink in the Rob Report magazine between 2001 and 2016, we were able to display over 300 cars. I had 23 covers. Scott, let me ask you, you love the French cars. You love the pre-war stuff. You've done some amazing things all the way back to the beginning. You mentioned a Mercer. Scott, you've done some newer cars too, and those offer an opportunity to really get in there and express the form, something like a McLaren F1 or the Porsche 959. I mean, those are just these incredible smooth shapes that must really be exciting when you get the light reflecting just right. It all comes down to the truth of good design as it applied to something in the 30s or as it applies to something today. Good design is good design. And when you get it right and you display it right and you capture it right, it's just a beautiful thing. The new cars today, some hit a bullseye with correct beauty and others just too many notes. <laughs> you did an interesting project quite a while back on white backgrounds of American muscle cars. That was a fun project. And that's back in the heyday of the muscle car collecting craze, if I'm not mistaken. That was for a publishing house out of the UK. The project was titled Hot Cars, and they had the ambitious desire to document for the purpose of a large multi-volume book series, the thousand of the world's great cars. And we were approached by those publishers as the American studio to capture the American stuff. I had a counterpart studio working in the UK who was getting a lot of the European vehicles. And we were just both shooting off this thousand car list. It was obvious since I'm in America, I'm going to take the muscle car section entirely. And we had to shoot to a template where all the cars were on white with a clean drop shadow and shot from uh, seven continuous angles. Each car shot exactly from the same angles so there could be a beautiful, consistent publishing appearance when the book was fully assembled. Those were great images and a great book, not perhaps as artistically expressive as your Cars on Black, but I know that as a forensic analysis, it's one of the great treasures in my automotive library. And it's funny too, because where else are you going to get a picture of an Oldsmobile 442 Vista Cruiser wagon? It's a great reference for me even today. A funny story I had for that project, I had a full-time scrounger whose job it was to do nothing but seek out and find and obtain and book into the studio the best possible correct, factory correct example of a given make and model and trim line. Some of these weird and wonderful cars that weren't top of the mark. In other words, it's easy to get a split window Corvette, but it's a little less easy to get to Bel Air from the same period. Exactly. And I think that we were very fortunate with my studio in Orange County. We are in the hub of the Southern California automotive universe. For goodness sake, on any given Saturday, a Cars and Coffee in Orange County is about as good as most major car shows somewhere else in the world. That's 
right. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, isn't it? You can find just about anything you want. Speaking of car shows, Scott, I know that you and I have shared an awful lot of walks on the lawn at an awful lot of car shows. It's really fun to kind of see things through your eyes when you and I take a stroll across the lawn and look at the various classes of cars. I would probably be flattering myself if I said that it's interesting how you and I seem to agree on so many things. But maybe it's just another way of saying that great cars always jump out at you, huh? Well, you're right, Robert. We do think alike. And I hope to support what I said earlier, logical minds think alike. And great design is great design if you're blessed with the ability to see it. Now, everybody's got an opinion. And thank goodness that creates the variety we have in the world. But when you see a car that meets all the ingredients and ends up with such beautiful shape, whether it's new or old, it's simply a piece of rolling art that is a beauty to behold and hopefully one day capture in the studio. Speaking of capturing it in the studio, obviously you get what you get. In other words, if it's a red Ferrari or a black Rolls Royce or a yellow Porsche. Let me ask you this. Is there a best color to photograph? Is there a particular color a kind of car should be? A lot of people love black cars because they think they look so sexy. And at times they do. Most designers love to see a car appear in some silver tone because it tends to bring out even gentle crease lines without tricking your eye with the distraction of color itself. That's actually true. And of course, you and I know a lot of automotive designers, and they've always told me that generally these cars start their design life in the studio as clay models, of course, and then as they get to full scale, they're always silver. It allows them to see it without distraction. Now, that doesn't mean in the final moment of its life in the sun, it can be any color under the book. Is there a right or a wrong color? That depends on the car that that color goes on to. That's right. We'll be right back after a short break. On medicine, we're still practicing. Join Dr. Stephen Tabak and Bill Curtis for real conversations with the medical professionals who have their finger on the pulse of healthcare in the modern world. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Produced by Kurt Co. Media. Welcome back to Cars That Matter. Scott, let's pick it up where we left off. What was the most difficult car you ever had to photograph? A couple of different ones for a couple of different reasons. We shot a Mercedes, 1914 Mercedes town car. It was a royal car and it was so extremely tall and it had custom luggage on top of that, that by virtue of its sheer scope and size, it was difficult to maneuver on my stage. I remember that car, Scott. That was an amazing portfolio of images. You talk about your stage and how you build out your studio. You went so far as to create a trap door in your roof. And I think you may be the only car photographer in the world who's actually able to capture a complete and accurate bird's eye view from a distance of about 20 feet. Am I right? Well, I don't know if I can claim I'm the only one, but I'd like to think I was one of the first, knowing that not all cars look good from all angles, but so many cars had never been seen from directly above. And many of the early flowing fender vehicles were so gorgeous to be able to see them from above and see how their shapes went from front bumper to rear bumper. I went ahead and installed a hatch center of my studio, built a air-conditioned light-type environment on the roof of the studio so I could go up there even in summer. I'm able to shoot from 20 feet above the vehicle with a large format camera inside my shooting hatch, my shooting hut, 
through the hatch down onto the car and I can get a mathematical dead center plumb viewpoint of the car. Or I can vary it. I can move the car off to the right or left if I wanted to achieve an angle. But to be able to get that architectural dead center top view and show with the grid pattern of my view camera, the complete symmetry of the design and shape and the geometry of how a designer scales the flow and width of the front to the rear. You just don't get to see those views. This goes back to my nature boy days going full circle. My eventual hope was to photograph nature in a way that when you viewed my work, you saw something so typical, so normal to you. But my angle of approach would be that you would see it in a way you've never seen it before. And I hope that my automotive work in some ways accomplishes that same thing. But beyond the aesthetic, it also speaks to the importance of adding that view to the others does create a complete portfolio documentation of that car. You touched on one of your comments earlier, that car may not be here forever. A tragedy could happen. We don't know. We hope not. But I'd like to say that when I document a car, if that car were to disappear off the face of the earth, my portfolio would give the viewer the ability to say that they not only see the car, but they can feel everything there was to know and feel and see about that car through my work. Most likely, though, what will happen is that, that vehicle was here before its current owner acquired it. The current owner becomes its caretaker of the moment, and that vehicle will go on beyond that person's life. So that is at the core of my business model, is that if you have the passion to have sought that car out and acquired it at whatever financial means possible, and you then put it into your collection and you want everything there is to know about that vehicle, that you were so passionate and you went over hill and dale to get that car to possess it and all things having to do with it, its books, its papers, its tools, all histories, all photographs, everything. It's now in your collection and you are now the owner. Ah, but really you are not the owner. You are simply its caretaker. At this moment in history, that this beautiful piece of rolling art, which was created before you, is now in your possession. It's now in your care. And if you appreciate all the things there is to know about that car and all the history that comes with it, as its current caretaker, you are now obligated to create tomorrow's history today. You need to document that car for where it is right now at its lineage and its history. What you do with it is important because 50 years from now, somebody's going to want to collect everything you did with the car. It's so true. Provenance is really everything. It's everything. These pieces of rolling art are not just the thing in front of you. They are representative of the passion and the God-given gift that man can create these things from nothing. And they exist because somebody's heart and soul was poured into it. And you need to document that in a visual way that captures those passions, and then you will one day pass it on to the next caretaker, along with all that you did for it, to care for it, and to enhance its provenance. You are obligated by your passion 
to do this. I think you make a strong case, Scott. And I know that personally, I've had a few of my cars on your stage. I was very fortunate to have you capture them on film. In a couple of cases, they're no longer around. That is, they've gone on to new owners. That's a whole different discussion. Maybe good, maybe bad. Usually it's a positive experience, but I still have the photographs. And those photographs allow me to sort of revisit the time in my life when I was actually able to get behind the wheel and drive those cars. Wonderful things. Having captured so many cars on film, I'm sure there are still a few that got away. Any bird watcher who's got his life list of birds, there are probably a couple of species that remain elusive. What would you love to photograph that you haven't had on the stage yet? I was looking through my archive just the other day and found myself in my Bugatti section. And I realized that I have been very fortunate to have documented every significant Bugatti that there has been since the very first La Petite Poussin to today's modern Veyron, including the Holy Grail Bugatti Atlantic. But there was one that got away. I never had the opportunity to shoot the Bugatti Royale. And you actually have the room to shoot the Bugatti Royale, all six of them. I do. And I tried desperately to get that car. It was close by. It was on display in the Peterson Auto Museum. And I had gone through tremendous efforts to get permissions from Volkswagen, the current owner. And what a unique opportunity in the Peterson French Curves exhibit. The Bugatti Royale was displayed next to the Bugatti Atlantic. That represented an absolute unobtainium view of two holy grail automotive icons. I tried to get that car to my studio, but at the end of the day, it slipped through my fingers in the moment. I'm not sure I'll get that moment again, but that's one that got away and I wish I had had it. I actually got a ride in the back seat of that car from one of the drivers with Volkswagen when it came to Pebble Beach a number of years ago. And it was a big old beast and I felt pretty special. The irony <laughs> to that story was before it was owned by Volkswagen, it was owned by one of my other very good clients and friends, General William Lyon. That's right. But he had let it go from his collection prior to our relationship building to the point where I began shooting his collection. That's right. Otherwise, it certainly would have found its way to your studio. Apropos of that collection, some amazing photographs of some amazing cars. I know that we published a number of them in Rob Report back in the day. Those remain some of the high points of certainly a pre-war design. Incredible things. Just incredible things. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Welcome to Life Done Better. Listen to the weekly episodes where supermodel and health coach Jill DeYoung talks to some of the world's most inspiring women in health and wellness. It's the place for all the unicorns who strive to create a life on their own terms. Join us to explore, discover, and create a life done better together. Listen and subscribe from Kurt Co. Media, media for your mind. Welcome back to Cars That Matter. Scott, if you could have any three cars for your personal collection, what would it be? That's the ultimate. Put your feet up, have a drink, and talk about that the rest of the <laughs> night. What's in your dream garage? Three cars in my garage. That's a tough question to answer because that can vary on any given day. I'm a big sports wagon kind of guy. So I probably, for my daily driver, just want maybe 
an AMG E-Class wagon. You get no argument from me. Boy, I just drove that brand new E63S wagon and it is a rocket ship. And uh, of course, nobody knows how fast grandpa can go until they decide to piss you off at a stoplight. So that's just your grocery getter. Every garage has to have that. As for maybe a weekend of supercar fun, a McLaren F1 would be not so shabby. Who'd have thunk that would have turned into the most valuable collectible of the late 20th century? The fun of that particularly is you get to sit in the middle and get that almost F1 experience of driving a supercar on a windy road, but you get to take two of your best friends with you for the day. I love it. Well, that's number two. What's the third? Maybe something very brutish and mechanical, something like a blower Bentley. There you go. It's just raw. Everything about it is so almost Jules Verne in its mechanical nature. The fastest trucks in the world. And you've had a few of those in the studio too. Indeed. When it comes to the three cars that you would want, they're not just because they look pretty or something. They represent unique ingredients that allow you to then take those cars out of your garage, call up some friends and go join a day of driving with friends. And that's really what this passion and the interest in the automobile really comes down to is these aren't just pieces of art. They are rolling art and mechanical things. And their real enjoyment comes when you get behind the wheel, you turn the key, you hear the engine turn over and the roar of the exhaust, you shove it in gear and you get to drive, which brings a moment of joy and pleasure that you just can't get anywhere else. It's not a virtual reality. It is a real reality. And with the right selection of cars from your dream car garage. You can join if I have my Bentley blower. I could go join the Bentley boys for a rally through the Colorado Rockies, screaming around turns and corners while you enjoy a moment with bugs flying in your teeth. And then at the end of the day, stopping for a five-star dinner and drinks with friends and supercarring your way up to Carmel, up the freeway. Every type of vehicle, is about so many points of enjoyment that it can give you. It goes beyond anything else. Well, you're shaming every guy with a garage queen or two, and I stand accused in that regard. So maybe it's time to go out for a drive in the near future, because really that's what all of these great cars were made for. Scott, I know you're working on a project now that actually brings these cars to life, literally a TV show that kind of puts into practice everything that you've just talked about. We look forward to having you back on the show to talk about that when it breaks this year. It will be fun, and we hope that we will be able to film capture that intense pleasure and joy of what it feels like to get behind the wheel and drive these beautiful pieces of art and how much it can make you feel good and Gosh knows this world needs a lot more feel-good moments today than ever before. Well, we sure do, Scott. We need some feel-good moments behind the wheel because I don't know about you, but I've been locked up for a while and getting out on the road is going to be a whole lot of fun. Importantly to mention that we have generations coming who don't necessarily share all the same attraction to the world of automobiles that you and I have, Robert. The young generation doesn't even look at the automobile as necessarily a positive thing. They certainly don't consider it what they want to do for fun on a given weekend, but we need to introduce the joyfulness and pleasure 
and passion that you can actually get from jumping behind the wheel and taking a beautiful car for a spin. Certainly your photography inspires anyone who takes the time to go for a stroll through photo design studios. And I just can't wait to have you back on the show to talk about your next project, which puts these cars in motion. That would, of course, be a pleasure anytime I get to share car talk with you and always discussing cars that matter. Thanks to Scott Williamson of Photo Design Studios for joining us today on Cars That Matter. Come back next time as we continue to talk about the passions that drive us and the passions we drive. This episode of Cars That Matter was hosted by Robert Ross, produced by Chris Porter, edited by Chris Porter, theme song by Celeste and Eric Dick, additional music and sound by Chris Porter. Please like, subscribe, and share this podcast. I'm Robert Ross. Thanks for listening. Kurt Co. Media. Media for your mind.